0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, as always, joined by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 203 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 38 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft.
1: Another good college week that that we had, Brian. Uh, For me, it was very defense-heavy in terms of the NFL Draft, which was exciting. I think it was the first week. I felt good about defenses and defensive prospects, but we're we're back at it again um, this week. Some a couple couple injuries, a little bit of of news. Uh, I think it was a good week for college football.
0: I think I know who the defensive player is you're going to talk about this week, Shane. I feel pretty <laughs> confident I know who that's going to be. Um, Easy one. Yeah. Um, wearing my Philadelphia Phillies shirt tonight. Congrats to the Phillies first time in the baseball playoff since 2011. Been a while, been a while, but, uh, that's enough of baseball. <laughs> uh, would like everybody, uh, if you're in the chat with us tonight or if you're following along on Twitter or in the discord, uh, get those questions in. And we're going, we always like to answer uh, a lot of questions there at the end of the night, uh, at the end of this podcast. So, uh, do that. If you are not currently signed up for our discord, go to draft It's on the uh, top there join our discord sign up a lot of good discussion especially on game days, Saturdays and Sundays we uh we we uh, get get a lot of good uh good balance there uh talking about the the live games um Shane um some news this week uh we've been talking about injuries it seems like almost every day or, or the lead every week uh this week a couple to talk about Uh, None seizing in ending this time, though, it doesn't appear. But uh, probably the biggest story came out of the Alabama and Arkansas game last week was Alabama quarterback Bryce Young uh, diving for first down, I believe it was, landed on his throwing shoulder, has an an AC sprain in his shoulder. Uh, They're saying day-to-day. I can't see him being able to go this week, though.
1: Yeah, I, I'd be a little bit surprised if he's able to come out. Um, you know, a lot of times that that AC joint sprain can take a couple weeks. So even the day to day tag, I'm like, mm, is it really? You know, is it really day to day tag, or are we going to be waiting for a little while? Um, but you know, th- this is a big game for them. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is talking some crap this summer, so uh, this is uh, one a lot of us have circled on the calendar. Alabama without Bryce Young, Texas a m up for it, who beat him last year. It might be interesting. But uh, I, I think we'll see Jalen Milrow, who is an impressive athlete, a 4'3 guy at 230 pounds. I mean, he can run, and he was running last week against Arkansas.
0: He looked like a combination of Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson out there uh, last Saturday
1: against Arkansas. And he has 30 pounds on both of them. 30 so. pounds on both of
0: them crazy how fast he uh, looked running down the field. Uh, there. So I think Alabama's going to be okay. I think Nick Saban's is going to be pretty pissed off this week. And uh, let's take Alabama in the points. It's not the lock of the week. <laughs> I, feel, I feel good about uh, Alabama in the points this week,
1: Shane. Uh, I, yeah, I probably would go that way too. So um,
0: Kirby Smart uh, at Georgia, Jalen Carter uh, going to be out a week or two, he said, uh, with an MCL injury. Uh, anything to be concerned about there? Jalen Carter, his long-term prognosis.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like a big deal long-term. Obviously, I would like to see more of him, I thought, the past couple weeks. George's defense has just been different, I feel like, than last year. Uh, different guys in different spots, much of them are comfortable. But Jalen Carter had, had a couple, I think, down games, not dominant games. So uh, hopefully we'll see him back and he can get a couple of those in at the end of the SEC season.
0: Uh, The probably the biggest news to come out of college football. And we do talk of, I mean, that's probably mostly what we talk about during the uh, season itself is college football. Uh, We've had a lot of head coaches fired. We've talked about a few already Arizona state, Herm Edwards out uh, Georgia tech, let their head coach go uh, Scott Frost out in Nebraska. Uh, UAB currently with an interim coach. Um, But two, Two came up this week. One, not surprising at all. Carl Durrell probably shouldn't have been hired back at Colorado to begin with. Uh, run off after an 0-5 start, and they're probably in line to be one of the worst Power 5 teams since that term was, you know, facilitated. <laughs> uh, but the big shot came out of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, letting Paul Chris go. He's, he's a Wisconsin guy, right? And they let him go uh, – but it seems like they weren't happy with the direction of the program, despite all the winning he's done there.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's it was surprising to me because he's been a consistent eight win, nine win coach. You know, he went, he left Pitt to go to Wisconsin. He's been a Wisconsin guy. You know, a lot of these coaching uh, situations you always hear about. Well, we want to bring in guys that have you know the 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 Michigan guy and Jim Harbaugh and you want to, you guys with that background Paul Christ had that background um you have the type of I think attitude and scheme that they probably wanted him to have so I mean I was surprised it's been a bad really bad start to the year there's no doubt about that um but to me are you going to get someone better you know There seemed to be some behind the scenes jostling. Jim Leonard, the former Jets safety, I remember him playing. I think I had him on some fantasy teams. Uh, Was the defensive coordinator that if he wasn't going to become the head coach, he was going to leave for somewhere else. And they kind of the board kind of preferred him. Braylon Allen, the running back, tweeting out basically like no one on this team wanted Paul Chris gone. You know they're all for him. There could be some dissension. I I I I just think it's going to be a big mess i I don't think this is going to be good for wisconsin ultimately this ultimately
0: to me felt like they want wanted to see if jim leonard was going to be could be the head coach they've got seven games left in the regular season they're all winnable games uh, for wisconsin i don't think their schedule is all that tough the rest of the way so this seems like a, his tryout period here because at the end of the season, maybe they were going to let Paul Chris go anyway, and then Jim Leonard was going to go right down with the ship. So they want to, you know, give him a give him a chance to uh, to to get in there.
1: Maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I think we're going to look back at four years and be like, mm, not a not a good choice.
0: This almost seems like it could head in that Frank Solich, Bo Pelini. Uh, Territory Nebraska, where all of a sudden nine, ten wins a year wasn't good enough. Let's, let's get, uh, let's get somebody else in here. And uh, Nebraska hasn't been good since. So,
1: no, no, they have not. So,
0: hopefully, for Wisconsin and their fans' sake, that's not the path that they end up going down. Uh, week five last week, Shane, uh, I was back full swing this week. Had a full full allotment of games to watch, and uh, you have also had a full full go at it. Offensive players this week, like I said, I know who your defensive players. We'll get to that in just a second. But who was that offensive player that stuck out stuck out to you this week?
1: I it, it was a little bit difficult, but I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the offensive line. I'm gonna go with Nick Broker, the guard from Mississippi. Um, It's a player I was pretty high coming into the year on. I thought had some good games early, uh, had maybe some weaker games, and I thought this was a good one for him. Uh, I mean, Mississippi has been just running the football. Zach Evans, Quinchon Judkins, true freshman, and a lot of their choices was behind Nick Broker. He's a player who moved this year. He played left tackle last year, definitely was out of position Moved back into left guard, and I think's it been much much better. I mean, he was moving Kentucky defensive lineman all game, creating holes, great hand movement, pulling ability. You know, he was he was getting guys out of the way. He was he was building those gaps. Almost two hundred yards rushing for for Mississippi. So I, I think day two is a real possibility for him. And I was really impressed with the strength and the the toughness that he kind of brought to the table this week.
0: Now, I give credit to Lane Kiffin. You look at his last couple of years there, they've had all those great wide receivers uh, there and they were throwing the ball all over the yard this year. They're like, he's going through his strength. His strength is his offensive line and his running game. And with the true freshman Judkins and Zach Evans, uh, that seems to be where they're going. Uh, I like you. I like to kind of talk about players. We don't talk about a lot on the podcast kind of bringing up names and, And you know, I like me some receiving running backs there, Shane.
1: So yeah, you do. Two-lane
0: running back J Spears. Man, he had a good game against Houston. Uh, Only 54 yards rushing on 14 carries, but six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, including the game-winning touchdown reception in overtime on a great diving catch made in the end zone. Uh, I don't know if he's as good as former two-lane running back Matt Forte, but Matt Forte also caught the ball really well. Uh, I think he's a good pass blocker as well. Uh, I, I don't know how high Tajay Spears will get drafted, but I, he's a he's a really solid player here and uh, one that worth was worth mentioning this week.
1: We definitely seen some of those receiving backs get drafted late that maybe we didn't expect or didn't have a draftable grade on. I think Tajay Spears, with his production and the receiving ability, I think getting drafted is within his wheelhouse. So uh, Tajay Spears definitely a name. A name on that gang of five to to know. All right, so tell everybody
0: about (laughs) Utah cornerback Clark Phillips here, Shane.
1: Yeah, Clark was your best defensive player this week. Clark Phillips, the third uh, corner for Utah, has he's he's been in the first round kind of conversation, but I don't think I don't know if anyone ever really felt comfortable with him there. And I mean this, this this game against Oregon State for him might have been one of the. One of the all-time best games I've ever seen from a corner, especially in terms of turnovers. Three interceptions. He returned one for a touchdown. He and he and he can run. He's athletic, can move. Um, you know, Clark Phillips is he's kind of this just just very smooth athlete that breaks on the ball very quickly. You know, he changes directions so fast, and, and I think that's what was happening here. Some of these interceptions, it was curl routes, it was timing routes that Chance Nolan was doing what he was supposed to do at practice. Like, this is when you throw the ball. Clark Phillips, I don't know if it was film watching. He knew what was going to happen. I don't know if it was just his, his quick reaction ability, which I think he has. And I was impressed with him last year um, in, in the bowl game against Ohio State where both teams were throwing for tons of yards. And Phillips was the only defensive back of note for Utah trying to tough it out um, for as long as he did. So he's not big. But I mean, he'll get physical, and now you have these ball skills. I, I just think I think someone's gonna take him at the end of the first round. He's he's just too athletic, too too good to do these type of things. That, um, I, I, I when you watch this game, I don't know how an NFL scout's not like, yeah, take him. Like, let's bring him in. Uh, he he can do so many good things.
0: For sure, and I, I've got to get on Utah here pretty quick. As a matter of fact, I'm watching him this week. We'll talk about it a little bit later. So Clark Phillips definitely. Eyes on him. Uh, Shane, I talked last week about a tweener defensive lineman, and I keep trying to tell myself I'm not going to fall for these guys. And here I am again this week falling for another tweener defensive lineman. This week it's Brandon Dorless from Oregon, 6'3", 284. Uh, Looked great coming off the edge uh, last week for the Ducks against Stanford. Uh, Five tackles, four solos, two sacks in the game. Uh, we've got him listed as a defensive lineman, which makes me question, you know, like his size or whether how how he's going to fit as a every down player in the NFL. So that does worry me a little bit. But you see the quick twitch. You see the hand usage. You see the bend around the edge. It's enough to get you excited. Is it enough to get you excited in the top 100? I don't know. But Brandon Dorlis, a
1: really good player there and had a great game against Stanford. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely an interesting one. Like you said, kind of that tweener, but plays tough, plays low. Um, I, I haven't watched too much of him specifically, and but every time that I've had a weight game and, and I've watched, I think on that defense, it's not a great defense. He, he's he's the guy that stands out. I mean, he's definitely in that front seven. I think one of the more talented players. So um, I, I think he's I think he's definitely draftable. You just got to find the right system fit. I don't know what you think, five technique or uh maybe someone that can, you know, do a little multi-scheme setup, perhaps. I don't know.
0: He's one of those guys that's gonna get drafted in that fourth or fifth round range and then is gonna have, you know, six, seven sacks, you know, a year, and people are gonna be wondering why did this guy not get drafted higher? Maybe it might could be end up, maybe not. I mean that could be one of them situations. Uh Shane, we've been debating position groups now. We're for the last four weeks, maybe. Sounds right. Maybe five. I don't know. But anyway, we're going back to the offensive side after we talked to defensive linemen last week, and we're going to talk about tight ends this week. And uh, we have some differences here. This is a – has it been the case here, really, these first few weeks we've been doing this where we've been kind of lockstep on a lot of the guys, but we do have some differences here. But there is no difference at the top. And that's uh, Notre Dame tight end uh, Michael Mayer, uh, the number one tight end for both of us here. Uh, Anything that – is there anybody that you think can maybe make a push to be tight end one in this class ahead of him?
1: I I, I don't think so. I, I think maybe coming into the year, maybe there was a chance that some of these more athletic tight ends could challenge him. But no one's really emerged, I think, in terms of production. Michael Mayer's continuing his third year of production, uh, 6'4", 251. Just such a mismatch because I I think in short space, he's athletic. I don't think he's going to be a big tester. If I was his future agent, I would say just don't. (laughs) Just don't don't do anything. There's no reason for him to watch the film. You can see him dominate almost every game. um, Because I don't think he's going to be a super athlete but he's a good blocker mismatch on linebackers. He's too big for them. And uh, you know, he, it's just so tough to cover him because he always gets position Um, reminds me a little bit of Jason Witten, maybe in the NFL, kind of a good, like stick route. He's got good hands going to catch the football. Um, I I like Michael Bayer. What, What do you think his ceiling is in terms of draft stock? I think that's the debate at this point for a tight end of his caliber Notre Dame production versus what's the athlete look like?
0: I feel like he's going to, like you said, if he does test, it's not going to be great. And if he doesn't test, then people are going to say, well, why didn't you test? And it's going to push him down a little bit. I think he could go in that early to mid 20 range. I think that might be probably the height of where he is going to be drafted, maybe where he should be drafted. Tyler Eifert, another former Notre Dame tight end, went in that same range. But, I mean, depending on the testing or lack thereof, you could see him fall into the mid-second round, maybe even like Cole Komet did, another Notre Dame tight end. So I feel like that's he's going to have a wide range. I don't think he's going to be – he's not a top ten tight end, right? I think we can – he's not Brock Bowers, right? Like if he was in this class, we'd probably have him in that top ten range.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, talk about an athletic weapon. That's what you Brock Bowers. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think he'll still settle in that 18, 18 to 25 range. I think someone will take him kind of where, where you're at. Maybe a team like 15, 16 could. Maybe that's a ceiling. But I think top 15 would be a little bit of a challenge to go above there.
0: A playoff team
1: looking for another piece. Yeah, and and there's a lot of teams that need tight ends. Tight end is sparse in the NFL, so it wouldn't surprise me if that does push him up a little bit.
0: Um, Number two on my board, and this is new this week, just pushed him ahead, Um, and I'm just going on size and power and athleticism here, and it's Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. Moved him up to number two on my board. I have concerns about my our both of our number three guys, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, Darnell Washington, 6'7", 265. But he can move. I mean, he moves a lot more fluid than Michael Mayer does, and he's bigger than he is. And we all saw the hurdle in the first game against Oregon. That was just insane that he – on the sideline there. I just – I think he's going to test well. Uh, for his size, his Ras score is probably going to be pretty high, right? It, I would imagine so. And and so that's kind of where I'm at with Darnell Washington. He's number four on your board, but I just I you just don't not going to see the production at Georgia because Brock Bowers is going to eat it all up, which is why his production score would be lower uh, than it, it probably should be if he played for any other team.
1: I I think you're right in there's he has the best chance to be another round one tight end. If we're gonna get a second one, I think I had him in my mock draft going 30, 31, 32. Like you said, you have the size. he's he's massive, um, 6'7-265. And so I think if teams value that inline tight end who does have enough athleticism, uh, he's like a more polished, you know, Jelani Woods. Like he has that polished block game Darnell Washington does. And has flashed the pass catching ability. Um, I think teams could value that highly. I, I I worry in the NFL, like, what 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 is he going to be? Is it going to be blocking and red zone only? Um, could be the possibility. So I do like my two and three a little bit more. Very different players from trying out Washington. That's what makes this tight end class fun because you get to pick kind of who you want there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those – This is, he's definitely a projection guy, right? He's not – because you're not seeing what he can do in, in everyday office because he's not going to get the volume that Kyle Pitts got or that Brock Bowers gets on his team or Michael Mayer gets for Notre Dame. He's not getting that volume for you to see it all. You're seeing him block a lot. So, you know, so you know he can do that. So that's the thing. Uh, number three tied in on both of our board. I'm sorry, I skipped you. Number two tie in for you is uh, a guy you've talked about frequently on here and small school guy, Tucker Craft, tie in from South Dakota State, the Jackrabbit. So I'm going to ask right off the gate, is he a better prospect to you than Dallas Goddard was
1: when he came out? It's a good question. I... I think he is to me. um, Now he did injure his ankle at the beginning of the year. And it seems like it's dragging on here um, a little bit longer than it was supposed to. So with that included, maybe, you know, maybe not, but I think in terms of pure talent, I think Tucker craft is more well-rounded than Dallas Goddard was as a prospect. I think Goddard has emerged as a pretty good NFL player. Maybe Tucker craft does that. Maybe he doesn't, but I do think craft as an inline blocker, is a, a little more developed. Um, I think he has a little softer hands. I just really like what Tucker craft, like he, his football IQ is off the charts. I mean, he's really good at settling in the zone. He's really good at making the most of his opportunities on a run first team. And he'll, he'll steal the edge. He'll run with the running back and take guys out. And then, when he catches the ball, I mean, he turns into a runner. Like, he runs guys over. He gets extra yardage. He's tough. Um, I, th- I think he's going to be the type of tight end that the NFL likes. If medical checks out, I think day two is is likely for him.
0: Yeah, medical will be a question. I love Dallas Goddard uh, as a prospect. I had him in the top my top 20 prospects when he came out uh, in his draft class. I was a huge fan of his. Was very disappointed when he got hurt on the first day of senior bowl practice before the day ever really got going. So I didn't get to see him uh, a lot. The number three tight end for both of us is South Carolina tight end, Jaheim Bell. Um, I love Jaheim Bell as a player. I'm starting to question myself here and his pro prospects, What's making me question here is O.J. Howard. Because going back to Alabama, O.J. Howard was this great athletic tight end. And the question always was, why doesn't Alabama feed him the football more? Is it because their coaches don't know what they're doing? Obviously, that's not the case. Now I come here with South Carolina, as like I said, for all intents and purposes here, I am obviously a huge fan of South Carolina. I watch every game. I leave myself questioning why are they not throwing the ball or targeting Jaheim Bell more in the passing game? Of course, I could say that same thing about Josh Van as well, but some of their other, but is it more because he doesn't have a rapport with Spencer Rattler yet? I mean, they the the problem is they're running the ball with him more than they're throwing the ball to him. He only has nine catches so far this season. Uh the other tight end on their team, Austin Stogner, has 10 catches. Uh, on the year so far, now he does have a rapport with Spencer Eller because they both played at Oklahoma, but that bothers me a bit as to why are they not featuring him in the offense more in the passing game, and it questions his draft grade a little bit. Uh,
1: not not to bash your Gamecocks, but like what what are you doing with you? <laughs> no, I like I. I, 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 I but we've, I think we've seen him produce, right, last year. I mean, you were super high on him last year before I even watched him. And there's, he's making some big plays, catching some balls that weren't even close to him last year. Uh, and and then he's, he's living in the backfield. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I think the athletic projection still an NFL team is going to like what they see from him. And I think with the way that offenses are opening up in the NFL – Jaheim Bell has a place in an NFL offense split out, H-back, backfield. You know, we're seeing a little more of that. Um, so I still have hopes. I still have hopes. I mean, may, maybe it's a situation for him where you stay in school, you transfer somewhere else. Like, well, I think that could be a possibility now that I didn't, I really didn't think going into the year. Nine catches for
0: 121 yards on the season, no receiving touchdowns, 13 carries for 48 yards, two touchdowns. He has more carries than he does catches.
1: Stupid. Yeah, it's a a little bit
0: strange.
1: And I don't think the carries have gone particularly, like, well, right? I mean, he's not turning into a running back here. No, and, well, I'll say this to their
0: credit in goal line, they seem to be almost showing a wishbone look now. And with him as the fullback and his two touchdowns that both came out of that look on a dive. So that could be a good use for him in the goal line. Sure. But if you're on your own 30, why are you handing Jaheim Bell the football, throw him the football. You'll get, you'll get down the field a lot quicker. Anyway, rant off here uh, on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darnell Washington was your number four tight end. We talked about him already. My number four tight end is Sam Laporta from Iowa. And you want to talk about a guy who has no chance to put up any kind of production this year (laughs) at all? It's Sam Laporta uh, because his quarterback, who for some reason is still their quarterback, Spencer Petrus, is god awful and one of the worst draft eligible quarterbacks in this class. Is that fair?
1: Yes, yes, it's it, it's it's really bad. I'm not
0: telling tales out of school here when I say that. Uh, but Laporta six four two forty nine. I think he could. He's going to test really well. And for no other reason, every other Iowa tight end that's ever tested has tested really well. I feel like that's a safe bet. Um, so again, this is another on potential here, more than potential over production. Sam
1: Laporta, my number four tight end. I was impressed with him. I think going back, um, even as as a freshman, he he looked good. He um, he was close to making my top five. Really, the five, six, seven for me is pretty close. I think the potential's there. It might be even worse than Jahi Bell in terms of getting production. It's just I I was offense is seems to be out there to punt and Sam Laporta's blocking for whatever rushing game they have. Um, I, I think it's just hard to do a pro projection at this point.
0: I did mention Tory Taylor in my uh, my write up piece for this week.
1: I'm I'm, I'm keeping him as punter one for me for at least for a little while. We'll see what's. What uh,
0: my number five tight end is another love affair that goes back a season, and I'm still there. I love his size. I love his potential, and that's uh, Cincinnati tight end Josh Wiley. 6'6", uh, uh, 245. I think he has that uh, ability to make the uh, go up and 50-50 ball in the end zone. I also think he uh, can stretch the seam and probably not much of a blocker uh, as some of these other guys we've talked about. But I like Josh Wiley as that maybe a late third round type of option, early fourth round type of deal guy who could impress down at the senior Bowl
1: yeah jo- Josh Wiley's interesting because like you said not gonna block anybody he has some good production numbers I I really want to see what the athletic testing is he's he's on there because could he run a four or six something yeah and and then I think we're in and talking round three round four could he run a four eight and basically run himself out of the draft i think that's possible uh, so i just think there's a wide range of outcomes i think is he athletic enough for the nfl is my biggest question mark if he answers that then a lot of the other things line up
0: and finally uh this is a guy i think you went back and forth on this week and moved him into number five and a guy i will see uh this week utah tight end dalton kincaid uh, fifth-year player, 6'4", 242. What do you like about Mr. Kincaid?
1: I I, I just kind of fell in love with him, um, you know, when Brankuthi got knocked out of a game against Arizona State and Kincaid really stepped up, caught two touchdowns. I mean, his leaping ability is off the charts. Um, he's he's such a good athlete for his size. Great production in terms of catching the football, soft hands. Like, he he's another guy – who I just can't see like Michael Mayer. I just can't see the someone able to cover him because he's big enough to be bigger than you. And he's faster than you too. Those type of players. I think the NFL likes, I think those are the kind of guys that turn into the Travis Kelsey's and the George Kittles in the NFL. Um, So I'm, I'm high on Dalton Kincaid. I really like him. Like I said, I mean, he's close to my next two Sam LaPorta and Luke Musgrave from Oregon state, but I think Dalton KK just has more upside. Yeah, so
0: that's our tight ends, our top five tight ends. Uh, I think, think Shane, we actually talked about them more than we have any other position. We had a lot to say. Yeah, a lot to say. Tight ends. Week six, Shane, and we have 16 games this week. Is that what I said? That sounds right. 17 if you count the game tonight that's carrying over for you from last week uh currently UCF leading SMU 1713 uh in the third quarter there I hear Rasheed Rice is dominating again Shane so Keep, he's uh, moving up all all the boards yeah <laughs> uh, I, I think we all know him now as a uh not ready to say first round but I think uh early day two we could uh we could be talking about Mr. Rice I guess it depends on what he runs but anyway Uh, Friday night, Shane, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. You will be watching the same Houston Cougars that I watched last week, but they will be at Memphis uh, this week. And hopefully Derek Parrish will play. He didn't play against Tulane last week. But I believe this is the first time we've called the name of the Memphis Tigers this year. So, uh, Shane, anybody on there uh, jumping out to you uh, as well as Houston?
1: I, I really like the safety duo at Memphis, Quindell Johnson and Rodney Owens. Uh, I, I think we talked about them a little bit um, when Nina was on because he kind of uh, introduced me to them. And even, even rotating Tyler Murray and other safety, uh, they use kind of that rotation that works. Uh, some some really good players there in the defensive backfield. And um, Austin Myers, one of their offensive tackles, is okay too. So – yeah, Memphis is not as good as they have been in some past years in terms of prospects, but not not bad.
0: 9.30 p.m. on Friday night on FS1. I uh, selected this game and then couldn't remember why. Uh, Colorado State at Nevada. This is a game of two really bad teams in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, there is no Trey McBride on Colorado State to get excited about this year. Um Nevada has a couple of carryovers from last year that I liked Aaron Frost, their offensive tackle. And uh I thought Don Peterson, their defensive lineman was solid when I watched them last year, but I am not sure if there's a draftable guy on this, in this game.
1: Oh yeah. It's kind of, it's, it might be close, but I- kind of doubtful i don't I, I don't know if there is one <laughs> so maybe you'll maybe you'll find one maybe you'll find one here for
0: maybe us. maybe we'll unearth a gym uh another mountain west game that may or may not feature a draftable player is uh unlv at san jose state nine thirty p.m on cbs sports network i'll be watching that one as well because i decided hey it's mountain west night why not um san jose state another uh, team that has carryovers from last year uh Couple of edge guys, v- v- Viliami, fahoko Kate Hall. Uh, they have a Hawaii transfer quarterback, Chevin Cordero. Elijah Cooks, good receiver, transferred from Nevada. If he was in the other game, there would be a maybe a draftable player there, but he's not. He plays San Jose State now. Um and for UNLV, um, uh, Tennessee transfer quarterback, Harrison Bailey. Uh anxious, no, not, not that starting. Not starting. Well, never mind. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, Still look, is fun to watch. Like, the, the problem okay. is their players are young. Doug Brumfield, their quarterback's a sophomore. Their receivers, uh, Ricky White and um, Kyle Williams. I guess Kyle Williams is eligible, are pretty good. But, like, they're fun to watch. I think you'll have fun watching this game.
0: Well, that, that's nice. Uh, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. on the ACC Network, Louisville at Virginia. Um, I have watched Louisville this earlier this season. Uh, which Malik Cunningham will we get in this game? I guess we'll determine the outcome of this game. Uh, but I did like uh, Kendrick Duncan, their safety a couple weeks ago when I watched them play. Uh, Yaya Diaby, their edge rusher, uh, has some nice skills to work with. For Virginia, what the hell happened to Brendan Armstrong? I mean, he was he could have been drafted if he come out last year, and now he's just fell off the map. I still like on Thompson as a gadget sort of player. I don't know if he's draftable just because of his age. But uh, some other good players for Virginia as well to watch in this one. But they haven't had the best of seasons.
1: Yeah, I I think they have a couple defenders that are good. Nick Jackson, the linebacker, and Anthony Johnson, the corner, I think are decent. But Virginia is just bad. They're not playing good football right now. And I mean, Louisville has some good players. Trevor Reed, their offensive tackle for Louisville uh, has, you know, he's kind of the guy that Malik Cunningham runs behind first. Um, so I, I, I think you'll, this game, some draftable players. So that's definitely
0: fun. draftable players. <laughs> I will say this about Trevor Reed. The play that stuck out the most for me when I watched them against Syracuse was he had the most egregious holding penalty I think I've ever seen in all of my years of watching college football. Like, it was pure rock bottom uh, <laughs> takedown on, on the uh, defender from Syracuse. Sometimes
1: that's better. Sometimes it's better than giving up the sack, you know?
0: Uh, wow, you'll be in Dallas this weekend, Shane. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will be
1: like 10 minutes from this game, but I won't 10 be 10 minutes game. from
0: this game, uh, Oklahoma and Texas, the Red River rivalry. Uh, they're playing at the old Cotton Bowl right there by the Texas State Fair, which I hear you're going to enjoy some nice – Fried del- delicacies, there, Shane. Oklahoma and Texas. Um, we know about the players from Texas, we know you love B. John Robinson. I may have slandered him a little bit, uh, in a tweet the other day.
1: Not, egregiously, but uh, uh, I mean, I mean, enough, you know. <laughs>
0: But uh, Oklahoma, we haven't talked a whole lot about them this year. They are struggling right now under new head coach Brent Venables. Um, so let's let's talk about them and mostly and see what what players are you most looking forward to from Oklahoma uh, to watching
1: this week. Yeah, this is the first time this game's both teams have been unranked and forever so not not great i'm i'm kind of looking forward to the oklahoma offense um you know it's still still pretty good Uh, marvin mims the receiver i think is is a potential day two pick eric Gray, the running back is moving up but the offensive tackles anton harrison's played well uh even wanya morris has kind of started to come on after not doing anything for a while um tight end Braden willis shown some blocking ability along with the pass catching so like i think that's interesting because texas does have some good defensive linemen, Moro um, Ojomu, Keandre Coburn, um, Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat. They, they have a lot of good defensive linemen. So I think that's the matchup. I'm going to be looking in the trenches a lot in this one.
0: That's fair. Uh, probably shouldn't highlight an Oklahoma defensive player after that atrocity uh, last week against TCU. But I still like two-way transfer Jeffrey Johnson, the interior defensive lineman. Uh, I really liked him a lot at Tulane last year. Uh, But you got to think that your boy Bijan then saw that way TCU was dicing him up last (laughs) week. And they're like, let's do it. Let's do it. um, Here's one that I didn't think we'd be talking about in such glowing terms. College game day will be in Lawrence, Kansas. 11 a.m., Fox Sports 1, TCU at Kansas, undefeated TCU, undefeated Kansas. Can Kansas become the – because of the timing of the games, Kansas could feasibly become the first bowl-eligible team this year with a win. Think about that.
1: That's that's, that's wild.
0: Um, But as far as draft prospects, I mean, at this point, we've got to start with the emergence of Jalen Daniels as a potential draftable quarterback. Uh, Doubt he comes out early. Obviously, he's a third-year player, but uh, he has emerged as a potential Heisman contender. Uh, that probably dies a quick death here pretty soon. Uh, but TCU is—have we seen the Renaissance of Max Dugan here? The uh, quarterback for TCU after that great game last week has uh, Sunny Dykes breathed new life into his draft profile. Uh, Shane.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know if there's a draft profile there, but he's been impressive. He, uh, this offense has played really well um, for TCU, and it's going to make this game really interesting. Uh, I really like TCU's center, Steve Avila. He's been kind of the cog in that run game. They've been running up up the gut with Kendra Miller, who has that ability to get outside. Um, and, and the corners for TCU I feel like we talked about last year, and I think they're still playing well. Uh, in in Noah Daniels and and Hodges Tomlinson, uh, can Quentin Johnston do anything? See, I was
0: about to ask that. Uh, have we has we got him off the milk carton yet?
1: No, only, he's he's only 12,
0: 12 catches this year for one hundred and fourteen yards, nine and a half average. That is that is a full ten yards less than what he averaged per catch a year ago.
1: I think he's fifth or sixth on the team in receiving yards and only two yards above Darius Davis or above one of the true freshmen. Um, Not Darius, Darius Davis above him. It's wild. Like, I don't know, Uh, but they're winning. So (laughs) I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, But Kansas is interesting. Jalen Daniels is getting some, some hype. I mean, his throws have been good. I don't know if they've really played anyone yet that I would feel Great to say, oh, yeah, you know, this is he this diced is up team. that team, yeah, yeah, but but he's still throwing NFL passes so far, so um, so I, I don't know, we'll see if Kansas can do it again.
0: Potential spoiler here, we will talk about this game again. Uh, <laughs> 11 a.m. on ESPN, Tennessee at LSU. I finally get to look at the 2022 version of Hendon Hooker this week, and he has been great, Shane. He has been great thus far this season. Uh, I also get to see uh, and Roy, the defensive lineman from LSU. We talked about him last week in that segment, uh, and I mentioned I hadn't seen him, so I will get that. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, is he in, is he on the milk carton with Quentin Johnson
1: there? He is. What, what What's going on? I mean, well, I think they had a full 80 yards passing last week, and – and their victory against Auburn. So uh, that, that doesn't help.
0: I assume Garrett Nussmeyer is going to get the go this week over, uh, cause I think Jaden Daniels is hurt.
1: Yeah. I, 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 haven't seen any update for it, but um, I, that I, I is would good. imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, anybody That's else cool. from Tennessee here that I need to uh, put the eyes on there, Shane. Uh, I mean, we'll see if Cedric Tillman comes back, the receiver for them. But I think the defense, Byron Young, Jeremy Banks, some of the linebackers for Tennessee are very, very good and definitely worth a look. Um, And LSU, running back John Emery Jr., five-star. Finally, he was suspended for uh, academic violations the beginning of the year. Came back and he ran wild last week. So he yeah, might
0: be good running over some defenders and everything last week. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we, we've resuscitated his draft stock a little bit there as well. Um, 2 p.m. on ES, on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3, Shane, you'll be watching a HBCU duel, or a, uh, I use duel in quotes because I just assume Jackson State's going to win <laughs> going away as well. But Jackson State at Alabama State here, a uh, couple of big corners there for uh, the Hornets. Uh, Keenan Isaac and Natron Culpepper there for, but they're going to have their hands full with Jackson State. This team's really good.
1: Yeah, I, I want to get my eyes on Jackson State. Um, I liked linebacker Aubrey Miller last year, and so I want to watch him this year. I haven't watched the Jackson State game yet, uh, so this this was this was one on the schedule that worked out, and, and Alabama State had a decent team last year. I maybe, maybe we can get a good game out of this. We'll see. Uh, I watched Jackson State
0: earlier. Uh, Brad Menendez wrote a great column about Jackson State's pro prospects uh, while I was at Disney a couple weeks ago. Really good. Everybody go check that out. Uh, But, yes, uh, Jackson State here, one of the better teams in all of FCS, not just amongst the HBCUs. Uh, 2.30 p.m. on FS1, Shane, you'll be watching Texas Tech at Oklahoma State um i wish my man donovan smith would be a bit more consistent but he turns the ball over a bit too much uh but i assume he'll still be starting this week i don't know if tyler shaw's back yet um but yeah oklahoma state loves uh watching them this season spencer sanders really good um and we talked about tyler Lacey last week i'm a big fan of his uh tyree wilson had a great game last week the uh, edge rusher for texas tech so some good players for you in this one.
1: There is. I, I thought Tyree Wilson's a little overhyped coming into the year, and then this this year is, has convinced me I I was dead wrong. So, um, so I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, against an Oklahoma State team that's that's tough. That's tough up front. It should be it should be another good game here.
0: I think so too. Uh, we talked earlier that I'll be getting my eyeballs on Utah this week, and that is the case as they travel to. Unbeaten UCLA, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Now, granted, UCLA has, uh, outside of Washington, They their other four wins were against teams they should be, although they should have lost to South Alabama. That's either here nor there. But uh, UCLA, we, we talked about them, uh, watched them last week, some good players there. Uh, big game out of Stephen Blaylock last week, I think could be one of the better nickels in this class. Jack Charbonnet is really good, and one of the best games – that I think in maybe in Dorian Thompson-Robinson's career he had last week against uh, Washington, uh, I think he's he's trying, Shane. He's trying to get in that conversation, is DTR. Uh, Utah, you've talked about them a bunch, and then Clark Phillips, we talked about him earlier. Definitely can't wait to see this guy uh, play against uh, UCLA this week. And uh, Jake Bobo, uh, the guy who we don't have on our list that we Probably should. Yeah, I just I just actually added him today. Just to add him today. Okay, good deal. Yeah, uh he had a big game last week. So uh so, some match potential matchup there with Phillips, perhaps. Um, and Cam rising their quarterback. We talked about him last week. But yes, so, uh Dalton Kincaid's another guy I want to watch this week
1: in that game. Yeah, and Bobo, a Duke transfer uh receiver who's who's really interesting. Um, I also added another edge rusher for UCLA, um, uh, Leatu Latu, who has had it, had an awesome game. Um, he was actually a Washington transfer to UCLA, rocked Michael Penix a couple times. So this UCLA team, man. It, uh, watching that game last week, much better than I expected them to be. But, uh, yeah, I hope we get some Clark Phillips against Jake Bobo. I mean that that that's that's going to be a fun matchup. I also like Gabe Reed. I wrote about him for Utah linebacker uh, blitzer. Um, there's there's a ton of pro prospects in this game, so I'm going to be interested to see you write up on this one. Chip Kelly
0: hit the portal hard, working out for him. Uh, 3 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Shane. You'll be watching Washington at Arizona State. Uh, Michael Penix uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Brad's going to have a write-up on Michael Pinnock's uh, question if he's the real deal as far as draft prospects go. So everybody uh, look forward to that one to coming out uh, 8 a.m. Central tomorrow. Let's check that out. But uh, Arizona State on their second coach this season already. Um, they've got some talented players. They've got some draftable guys on this team. But they're not playing like it for sure. And I think this is going to be a get-right game for Washington after that loss to UCLA. Yeah,
1: I wrote in uh, Merlin Robertson, the linebacker, who I think both of us liked earlier. i just uh, not playing like a pro player uh, this year. And it's, it's, it's just sad to see. I don't know if it's coaching, if it's system, what it, what it is. But Washington does have a ton of prospects. You mentioned quarterback Michael Penix is looking good. But um, Jackson Kirkland, the offensive lineman for them, uh, he's, he's played well, potential day two pick. So, and then, uh, ZTF science pool of Fatui, the edge rusher, having a pretty good season now coming back fully in. Um, I, I think Washington is, is a good team and, and I really like Jalen McMillan, the receiver. I think he's super athletic three-year player. Uh, maybe doesn't have a ton of production yet, but he's had some big plays. He's a name to watch out for
0: another third year receiver that produced well last week. Uh, I wrote about him in my column. Was uh, Roma Dunze? They're uh, yeah. show out a big game last week. And uh, you mentioned Jackson Kirkland. I think we should note that I we may have to adjust our position listing for him as he's now a guard. And that's probably his size, probably where he needs to be. Yeah, so.
1: probably better.
0: But yeah, he and he looked good inside uh, the other night. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, a game that I will. For my Sunbelt column this week, Shane, on the NFL Network, 6 p.m., the undefeated Dukes, James Madison traveling to Jonesboro to play Arkansas State. Uh, This isn't a banner year for Arkansas State as far as uh, draft prospects go. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. We've got five players for James Madison listed here. I don't know a whole lot about any of them except their quarterback, Todd Santejo, who transferred, I think, from a Mac school.
1: Yeah, James Madison's doing it with with a lot of toughness. I mean, they're they're, um, running back, uh, Percy Aguille Obese. He's not not their starter anymore, but he had some good production. He has almost six yards of carry. Like He's someone that's a little bit older that could be good. Um, But uh, they have a receiver that I I need to add. Uh, I'm a little surprised we don't have is Chris Thornton. is a, a really, really good receiver, good player, ton of production. He, he torched, um, he, he, he torched last week. Like he's the Texas tech. He's been really good. So, so a name to keep in mind off that add to our list here for James Madison.
0: I find it a bit insulting that they can't qualify for the Sun Belt championship this year, which also makes them ineligible for the, uh, auto birth and the, uh, Non in the New Year Six Bowls either. Even if they went undefeated, they couldn't
1: do it because they're transitioning up. Because the first year up, they can't, they can't be too good? Is that like – It's crazy. It's like I get it if you were transferring down. Right, right.
0: But transferring up, they're doing this with less scholarship players than everybody else. They should be rewarded for this. But anyway, I digress. Um, I look forward to that one. I love that NFL Network uh, carries one of these games every week like between Sun Belt and Conference USA give them uh schools a little bit more exposure there. Uh and what else are they going to show on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, fair. Uh 6:30 p.m. uh listed on the as a ACC Regional Sports Network, I will be watching it on Bally Sports Southeast. Um nice. if you're out of the ACC region, I guess you can watch it on ESPN Extra if you're a DirecTV subscriber. It's one of the games they carry in like the 788s or something, 780 channels. Anyway, uh, Army at Wake Forest, and I'm going to be honest, Shane, just pick this one because I know Wake Forest is going to drop back to pass a lot. Want to see how Andre Carter handles it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have it, and I want to see how Sam Hartman handles pressure from said Andre Carter. So that's kind of where I was at with this game.
1: Yeah, I imagine there'll be some double teams on Andre Carter, some chipping, some something. But Sam Hartman impressed me against Clemson. Uh, he, he, Him and Penix are kind of on that line of like, oh, maybe these are the guys that could emerge, right? Like Kenny Pickett last year. I'm interested to see if that happens again for him at Wake Forest. 6.30 p.m. on NBC.
0: Uh, this game, I assume, will be at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. BYU and Notre Dame, is this the Shamrock series game this year? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it is. The Notre Dame Traveling Road Show comes to Vegas. And uh we haven't talked a whole lot about Notre Dame other than we talked about Michael Mayer earlier. Maybe we watched them maybe in week one, but I haven't watched them yet, and we've talked about BYU a lot. Because I think we both watched them maybe once or twice, so let's let's focus on Notre Dame here and specifically maybe Isaiah Foskey, who I think is a potential first round edge rusher there. He'll be going against a a good tackle there for BYU and Blake Freeland, maybe. So we'll, we'll, good good potential matchup there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Foskey's talented. I don't think he's quite shown that potential so far this season. I thought he was a little better last year, but we'll see what happens in this game. Could be a get-right game. Um, Brandon Joseph, the safety transfer from Northwestern, has been a little quiet in that Kyle Hamilton role. But, but I do like Notre Dame's uh, center, Jared Patterson. I think he's playing very well this season and has potential to be one of the first centers off the board on day two. Uh, and then the corners for Notre Dame, I think, have have improved their play. Clarence Lewis and Cam Hart uh, are both int- intriguing to me. So this this could be a good one. This could be a good one. BYU, you, you, know, you mentioned Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington, their guard, good offensive line. And Jaron Hall, Getting every game I watched, Jaron Hall, it's it better. better and better. Really. Uh, so i, I got uh, to drop him in there. I know,
0: that, I know they said he would be back last week, but he did not play as Puka Nakua. Hopefully he'll play – this week Gunnar romney did return last week but nakua did not
1: yeah i man i i don't know if it looks looks great for nakua but uh I'm, I'm hopeful i mean he's he's so talented
0: um a lot of talent will be on display we talked about it a little bit earlier uh i think we're both expecting a colossal whipping here at 7 p.m on cbs i'm guessing when cbs picked this game they weren't expecting uh One team to be a twenty-plus point underdog when they pick this to be their prime time game of the year, but uh, Texas A&M at Alabama. uh, We skipped over it earlier, and I want to I want to bring it back up, circle back here with Bryce Young. Is this is this a concern, like a big concern here? Because he's had multiple. Saban mentioned it in the press conference, kind of in passing, but he's dealt with these issues before. When he talked about his shoulder. If he's had shoulder injuries before, that's an issue here, right?
1: Yeah, it is an issue, especially when you have a player like him who is smaller. I think that's that's the holdup, right? I mean, we've you've seen the arm. We've seen the, the toughness. But, you know, you're 194 pounds, a quarterback, probably under six feet tall. Like, if you have shoulder issues along with that, that's a tough sell, I think, for NFL teams to pick you in the top five, guarantee you all this money that becomes a lot more difficult. That doesn't mean Bryce Young's falling out of the first round or even falling out of the top ten, but um, I, I think I think there could be teams that, like a Will Levis, feel more comfortable with a Will Levis, right, uh, if you don't have a coaching staff that can deal with Bryce Young's height and, and the shoulder. I think he's excellent. I think he should be a top three pick, um, but the, the medical checks are going to be thorough. We'll say that. Haynes King going to be in for a long night. Yeah, I think Max Johnson's starting now Doesn't for matter. Texas AM. and But, yeah, I think it's going to be rough. I mean, Texas AM, and they played up last year, though. They were at home, which helped. Um, Antonio Johnson, their safety, very impressive season so far. I, I think they're going to need that safety duo to play down and try to stop Jameer Gibbs, who absolutely lit up Arkansas. Catching the football, running the football last week. Um, that that'll be that'll be the matchup if AM's defense can hold him.
0: I have to ask this question because I've seen his name on our watch list for them a few times now. Is this Moose Muhammad III the son of Moose and Muhammad? That he is. That he is. All right. Well, that's good to know. Seven catches uh, for 135 and a touchdown on the year for Young Muhammad there. Uh, nineteen point three. So hey, that might might actually be the leading most receiving yards on the team for a wide receiver on their team. If, <laughs> if you okay. Anyway, uh, ten p.m. on ESPN. Shane, you're going to close out the night here with some Pac-12 after dark on ESPN. S- Oregon State and Stanford. Uh, you saw Oregon State last week. You're going to see them again. We talked about their players last week. Res John Wright. Uh, how did he do against Utah?
1: Uh, he, he did all right. I thought he looked good. Not his best game, um, but, you know, I thought he played better against USC, but uh, solid.
0: The the same I can say for Caillou Blue Kelly, the corner for Stanford. I thought he was solid against Oregon. Uh, didn't really get beat any, uh, despite that uh, Haley's Comet performance from uh, Bo Nix last week. You know, you see it once every 15 games or so where he plays well. But uh, who are you looking forward to watching this this Oregon State Stanford matchup?
1: I just I, I'm not a big Tanner McKee fan, the quarterback for Stanford. He's still getting hype, and I, I don't see it. But you know he, he has some talented receivers, Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins, uh, are two players big receiving targets like Stanford likes. So I want to see if that passing game against Rajon Wright against this Oregon State secondary. I don't know can Tanner McKee make me a believer? I guess is is what this game's for for me.
0: That's fair. Well, that's going to wrap up week six. Like I said, we're watching a lot of games this week. I was kind of making up for not watching a lot of games the previous weeks. So, and I know the following weekend, I'm going to cut down a little bit because I'm going back out of town again, but uh, that's not going to stop us from lock of the week. Shane, I took the L last week, Um, you know, It happens. happens. Still four and two. We're both four and two. Still four and two, which means we're eight and four overall for the year for those mathematicians out there. Um, I I spoiled it earlier, said I was going to circle back to this one, Shane. I think the happy parade in Kansas is over this week. TCU on the road is a seven point favorite. I'm going with the road favorite here. I'm laying the touchdown and extra point. Full seven here. TCU. Lock of the week, minus seven over Kansas.
1: So, look, I I, I almost took Kentucky against your South Carolina Gamecocks. And I couldn't have faulted you a bit. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't want to be disrespectful. And now I feel like I'm be, being more disrespectful. For the first time in the lock of the week, I'm taking Kansas plus seven at home against TCU. We, we did not talk about it beforehand, but that was my pick. I, I think Kansas – It's going to keep it close. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I think they're going to keep it within a field goal at home game day, hyped up. TCU just had a very emotional win uh, and they have to travel. I'm taking, I like the seven number. I'm taking it. So this is, it's going to be interesting. Well, I told you before
0: we went on the air,
1: I liked this a lot better earlier in the week when it was six and a half.
0: I really did. But a couple weeks ago, I talked myself out of a game because the number moved, and I regretted it. So sticking to my guns here. So I guess we could both end up being four, two, and one
1: next week. That's exactly what's going to happen. You know it too. Yeah, it's going to be. A- <laughs> but well, we'll see. That that is interesting. Uh, it never happened before on the show.
0: Yeah. You know? um, for those. Oh. Uh- wondering uh ucf has just opened it up on smu it's 34 to 13 now uh going into the fourth quarter early in the fourth quarter there so that one's pretty much over uh shane do we get any questions in discord because we did not on twitter
1: I, d- I don't think we did. I, don't th- I, I need to remember to post in there earlier in the day, I feel like. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to get on that. I think so when we did week.
0: that, uh, we ended up with, like, 15 questions one week, and I don't think we've had any since.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone exhausted but their Bert, Bert,
0: They exhausted all questions a few weeks ago. Um. So, yeah, no Twitter, no chat, no Discord questions. So that moves us right in. Shane, uh, we talked a bit earlier, you're going out of town this weekend
1: to to Big D there. Yeah, yeah, You're going to Dallas see some of my wife's family, uh, attend a wedding, and then you know I'll, I'll be catching some of the college football in, in the morning at night, watching it Monday, Tuesday, catching up. Uh, so when I'm you know laying in bed after the wedding and watching some Pac-12 after dark, as you said, it'll, I'll, I'll contemplate my life a little bit. But uh, I'll <laughs> I'll be watching Stanford, and Oregon State. So that's that's the plan. I'm excited. I, I'm a little sad now knowing that. I can't go see Texas, Oklahoma while well, it's uh, while well, it's going on. would be super cool, but uh, I'm enjoying it. If anyone listening has any Dallas suggestions, feel free to tweet me and give me some recommendations. And as a history teacher, I'm going to see Dealey Plaza where JFK was shot. That's the one place I wanted to go. My wife, not very thrilled about it.
0: She'll get over it. <laughs> you go to a wedding during football season. That's this cool. is okay. That, pers- that person should uh, – you know, I wish no will, no ill will on their marriage, but you know, you should know better. <laughs> so that's going to do it uh, for tonight's show. Uh, as always, if you uh, you can, if you're watching on YouTube, there, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Let's get them subscriber numbers up, Shane. Let's uh, let's, let's pump those up. We've kind of yeah. stalled out a little bit. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast. You know, share all that. Give us a, a good five star review. Let's get that pumped up in the uh, podcast ratings be it Apple, be it Spotify, be it wherever uh, you listen to your podcast because uh, we, we like talking about football and we want to keep doing it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And as always, go to draftcountdown.com for all of your NFL draft wants and needs. For Shane, Brian, good night, everybody.